We're looking tonight in the book of Nehemiah, if you have a copy of the Scriptures with you. Nehemiah chapter number 1, please. In the very first chapter of the book of Nehemiah, and then I'm going to ask you to turn with me to one verse in the book of Jude. The book of Jude, one verse there, Nehemiah chapter 1. That's page 666 in my Bible. That's an interesting number. Nehemiah chapter number 1. It's a joy to be back with you. And we trust the Lord will be just what we stand in need of this evening. I often quote the verse, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I understand that to mean where the Spirit is Lord, where He's in control, where He reigns, there's liberty, there's freedom. We trust that will be reality this week in our meeting, that the Spirit of God will indeed bring the presence of God into focus and express Himself. And when this meeting comes to a close, as the pastor has already said, we will be amazed at what God has been pleased to do for us and do in our midst this week. Nehemiah, the very first chapter tonight, you pray for me. I've been traveling uh, last evening. I got to bed about oh, early morning, one or two o'clock. I came out of southwest Missouri and then traveled here today. I don't like to have to do that much traveling before I come to the platform to speak. So you, you pray for me, the Lord will be just exactly what we need this evening and uh, use His Word to speak to us as only He can. Someone has called the book of Nehemiah the revival book of the Bible. I agree with that assessment. One man God so used to bring back revival and restoration to His own people. It started in the heart of one man. Let's begin, please, in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Chislun, the twentieth year, as I was in Susan the palace, that Hanai, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. They said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity, there in the province, in great affliction and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant mercy for them that love and observe his commandment. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night and for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I'll scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though thereof you cast out to the uttermost part of the heaven, Yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. 
O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's cupbearer. Now, if you'll keep your scriptures open there for just a moment, I want to call to our attention a verse and look at a part of it. In the little one-chapter book of Jude, and that'll be verse 22, just this one verse tonight. Jude, verse 22, God's Word says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And of some have compassion, He tells us, making a difference. Shall we bow, please, for just a moment of quietness? And we're grateful tonight for the good music, the choir, all the special music, and then real joy to see Brother Marvin and be able to be in a meeting with him and enjoy his ministry of music. And you join with me now that God would take his word and just as only he can speak to our hearts. Would you pray something like this with me tonight? Lord, I'm listening. Would you just quieten your heart before him a moment? and Just simply say to him from your heart, Lord, I'm open. I'm listening. Would you give him permission now? To say what he wants to from his word to your heart. Our Father, we've already quoted the verse that you tell us where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom, there's liberty. And we welcome him to take complete control. We read in thy word where you tell us it's not by might nor by power, but by thy Spirit, saith the Lord. And we pray that he will indeed take the word of God tonight. May thy word is seed tonight fall into ground that's been prepared and opened like that good ground that brings forth a harvest for thy glory. We need you. We depend on you. And we bless you tonight for who you are. And we praise you for what you're going to do in this service. We ask it all in his worthy name. Amen. I want to lift out those last words of verse number 22 tonight. That little expression, making a difference. And I want to speak a little while on the subject, how to make a difference. Jude, verse 22 tells us, making a difference. My mind went back uh, a few weeks ago. I was reading this verse and that part of the verse gripped my heart like it had never gripped it before. And a few days prior to that, one of a neighbor of ours, two doors from us, he's a preacher, used to work with us in one of the pastorates the Lord let me serve in. He said to me, it's just what been a few months ago, and a few days prior to the Lord speaking to me from this verse. He said, you know, when God permitted me to come and His Word serve with you folks, He was on the staff with us. In particular, He called the phase of the ministry outreach ministry. He worked basically in the bus ministry. He said, my first week there, Brother Hurt, he said, I went to, and looked over the, the records for the last year or so in the bus ministry. And he said, I asked a question about a person that was he said, I wasn't surprised later when you appointed him the director of your bus ministry. 
He said, my question was this. He said, as I looked at his at the records, I noticed if he got on the bus route, it could be the low route, and less than a month it would be the number one route. Maybe the route would be in the 20s. And he said, in just two or three weeks' time, that route would move up to, oh, past 50. We was running eight buses. We, we, we brought in a little over 400 on eight buses. You know anything about bus ministry? That's a good average on, on those buses. And his question was, he said, I asked the question, Brother Hurt, the first few days around there, what's the difference? And he called this person's name. What's the difference in him and these other uh, workers? And then he said, about the second or third week there, I went calling with him on a Saturday. He said, our first stop, and he described where they went and one of the very poor areas of our city. He said, our first stop, he called his name and he said, let's pray before we go in. He said he couldn't express himself in prayer without being broken. He said, walking up to the door, he, the preacher's name is Clarence. He said to him, Brother Clarence, he said, I've picked the children up here the last two weeks. He said, let's pray that God will let us and His Word have an inroad today with the parents. He said, they, they need God. These young people hardly have a chance if God doesn't do something for this mom and dad here. And the preacher said to me, and you would have had to looked in his face and heard his voice to get a hold of what I'm about to share with you. He shared his heart there that day. He said, Brother Hurt, we hadn't been in that home ten minutes till that man and his wife both was on their knees beside the couch and said, you baptized them both the next Sunday night. And he said, he couldn't talk for weeping. He said, he just simply started to tell them what the Lord meant to him and tucked the Scriptures and showed them how they could know the Lord. And he said, and I quote him, he said, I've never been around anyone prior to that that could weep and be so broken over souls. He said, when we got back in the vehicle and started away, God seemed to say to me, you asked the question, what's the difference? And he looked at me and said, Brother Hurt, his compassion made a difference. I'd never, I'd preach from this verse through the 28 years I've been preaching, but I'd never really seen those last words as the Lord just sort of let them take hold to my own heart after that preacher, my uh, neighbor, saying to me, he said, Brother Hurt, the reason that you constantly not only baptize young people, he said the, the reason he called this person's name, said the reason that he could win those adults consistently and bring them down the aisle and you'd baptize them. He said if you want calling with him, he couldn't even start talking without weeping. Compassion, Jude says, makes a difference. I want to talk to you tonight from the Bible about a person that obviously made a difference. I already commented a moment ago when I read the Scripture. One man so made a difference that God used him to bring back restoration and revival and the glory of God to His people when they were in such reproach and such ruin there and, uh, and there was that there was such discouragement and defeat, but one person with the touch of God upon him and cared so deeply that God used him, of course, to then to touch others and made such a wonderful difference in the lives of his people. I want you to think with me tonight out of chapter number 1, the book of Nehemiah, about four evidences 
of this man's compassion. I'm going to take inventory tonight. I'm going to ask God to search my own heart this evening. I've already asked Him to do that before I left the motel room. I'm going to place my heart, as it were, beside the heart of Nehemiah, not a prophet, not a preacher in even the strictest sense, uh, but uh, just a layman. And yet, here's a man that so cared for others and had this which God says makes a difference to the point, I repeat, that after getting back to Jerusalem less than 60 days, put those walls up, put those gates up, and the glory of God came back to God's people. But you see, that revival didn't start in the hearts of an entire group. It started in the heart of one person. I preached in the church some time ago, and I've been there, what, four, five, I guess five uh, revivals, and they invited me, and it was my honor to go and speak in a special service, and they dedicated the building that day. And in that afternoon service, they filled that place up, filled the balcony up, the chairs down the aisles, and, and God's touching that place, and introduced some of the people it started with him. Twenty years he'd been there. And I said to one of those old-timers, I said to him, what's... Uh, I said, you'll help me here. I preach along this line. I said, what makes the difference in this place? Why is it in a tri-county area for God and for good? They're just changing lives and making such a difference. I said, just in a statement, he's a spirit-filled man that walks with God. I said, what's, what's been the, I mean, what's made the difference around here? That man said to me something like this, Brother Hurt, a little over 20 years ago, a vehicle stopped out there, said this all was just a, he called it a thicket, just a grown-up area. He said a young man and his wife got out of the car and they walked over there across the road and, uh, and they bowed down on their knees before God and they came and asked me something like this, who owns that property? He said God's burdened us to come in this area and start a church. And that older man said, preacher, that day he was talking to me, tears was coursing down his cheeks. He said I watched him preach last Sunday morning. Tears coursed down those same cheeks while he stood and preached and pleaded in Christ's stead for souls. He said, that's what's made the difference. Compassion's made the difference. He said, reality's made the difference through these years around here. Oh, I tell you, the Word of God says some have compassion making a difference. I was in the St. Louis area preaching not long ago as a group of preachers and I had the privilege of speaking with a couple other preachers and I, I made that statement and they had question time. And one of the men asked me a question from the audience. He said, uh, I don't dispute what you're talking about. He said, God spoke to me and God said to me, that's, that's the need of the hour in your heart. But he said, Brother Hurt, just what are you talking about when you preach on compassion makes a difference? He said, are you talking about sympathy? Are you talking about pity? I said, no, if I understand what God's Word says about compassion, it's deeper than just mere sympathy or just mere pity. I think tonight we could have that and still not make much difference in the life of the person that God wants to make a difference in. You remember Jesus told a story. I read that this afternoon. It's recorded in Luke's Gospel chapter 10 without us going in much detail. You recall when a man tried to put Jesus on the spot, ask him a question? And then when Jesus responded, it put him on the spot. And he pictured a fellow from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on his downward trip, he fell among thieves. And they stripped him. They robbed him. They left him half dead. And Jesus said he pictured three people passing by this poor fellow in the ditch. And two of them was leaders of the religion of the fellow that's putting Jesus on the spot trying to. 
And he said when he came, he saw him. He couldn't plead ignorant. He, he saw the fellow there and just passed on by. The other one came, and the Scripture says when he came where he was, and when he looked at him, he passed on by. But Jesus pictured a third person. He said when he came where he was, he saw him, and he had compassion on him. I tell you, he made a difference in his life. He got in the ditch with him. I see him rolling his sleeves up and he took the medicine of that day, that oil and that wine and doctored that man's wounds, took him to the inn, took some money out and said to the innkeeper, he said, I'll be back in a couple days if he, if he owes you all. I'll care for him. And Jesus then pitches the question back to the fellow when he had asked Jesus the question. Our Lord said that man who had compassion made a difference in that fellow's life that was in need. So tonight, I think it's, it's established in the Bible. If, if we only had that one place that says compassion makes a difference, then of course that would be, that would be uh, sufficient enough. But tonight we could find so many instances where a person had this quality in their life and God used them to make a difference in someone else's life. I want to take inventory. I trust you will tonight. I, I share with you four words. You may want to just jot them down. Just as simple as it can be. And it'll not take me long to finish tonight. And if you have your Bibles open, the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1. I believe there's four evidences here in this first chapter of Nehemiah's compassion. Verses number 1, 2, and 3. Nehemiah, first of all, he cared enough to inquire. He began to ask some questions. He began to investigate. He says down in verse number 2, he names his brother and these other Jewish brethren that came back made that thousand mile trip over there to Jerusalem and now they've returned and, and immediately he begins to investigate, to inquire and he begins to ask questions about the condition of his people back home. I find if I have that ingredient in my life and sad to say so much of the time I feel like I'm as cold as a stone and, and I'm as dry as I can be and I have to cry out and say, Oh God, give me that, give me that again, which that'll make a difference in somebody's life. But I find that if this ingredient is here, I can't be content without inquiring. I can't be, I can't live next door to somebody without trying to find out because he'll prompt me to and he'll want me for his sake to ask a question. Last Thursday night, uh, this past week, a preacher said to me, there's a man here in the service. I was in DeSoto, Missouri. I was with a brother there that starts churches, and this church is just a little over a year old, and I was with him last spring, just right after it started the church, and, and was back there again this past week and closed out Friday night. He said to me, there's a man in the service. He hadn't been in church now for a few years. He's a businessman in this community and said, pray with me that God will speak to him. I noticed in the service that evening that it, uh, it's, it, apparently God was really speaking to his heart. And he said to me after the service, and he said to me with brokenness in his voice and tears, even in his eyes, he said, Brother Hurt, I got right with God tonight. He said, I've been saved. Now, I don't remember how long, but seven or eight years ago, I got saved. But he said he got disappointed, discouraged, got defeated, got out of church. And he said tonight, he said, if there's ever a sermon, and, and he was saying it to the preacher too, he said, if there's ever a sermon sent for one person, God sent that sermon through Brother Hurt for my heart tonight. And uh, he talked with me a moment. He turned back around and he said, I got a prayer request. And he couldn't even express himself for weeping. And he said, pardon me. And he just broke up standing there. It's a storefront building. They've started that church in. He said, my wife's not saved. 
My two teenage boys are not saved. He said, he said to the pastor and to, and to me, he said, would you brethren pray with me that I could get them to come to the service tomorrow night, which would have been this past Friday. I came in just about preaching time, had a seat beside the preacher. The preacher said, our friend's back tonight and his wife and two teenage boys are with him. Spirit of God honored that place Friday night. Spirit of God moved in that service. Just as soon as the invitation started, I, I glanced back at him and, and he put his arm around each boy. He was sitting b- between those boys and he put his arms around the shoulder of those big teenage boys. And I tell you, they openly wept and spoke to one and spoke to the other. And his wife had slipped her hand up already and asked interest in prayer. Soul winners took him to a side room and led that dear woman and both of those boys to Jesus Christ said to me on the way out there at the door Friday night, I said, let me just ask you a personal question. And, and each of them would have ringing testimony. And that dear fellow stood. And now that uh, tears of joy now. He had said to the preacher when he first came in, he said, I couldn't keep my mind on my work all day today. He said, last night as that preacher preached on the value of souls and how that God uses people to reach souls. And and if we don't do our best to reach them, God doesn't let angels come and knock on doors. He doesn't write it out in the sky. He's waiting on you and me to take the message to them. Dear fellow said to the pastor, he said, God broke my heart for my family last night. And I tell you the very next night, which was this past Friday, he evidenced his compassion by Asking questions, being concerned, inquiring. There's a second word down in verse number 4. Through 7 is the part of the outline that covers the second uh, identifying mark of Nehemiah's compassion. I ask myself tonight, number one, Wilbur Hurt, do you care? Is it evidence in, in the fact that you inquire, you ask questions, you investigate, you try to find out whether people are lost or saved? I find when compassion is there, that's normal for us to want to try to find out if people know the Lord or not. But there's a second word that grips my heart here. Not only did Nehemiah care enough to identify, Nehemiah cared enough, or rather to inquire, he cared enough to identify. He put himself in their place. Look down in verse number 6. Nehemiah, he's talking to God now in his prayer. Keep in mind, he's a thousand miles from Jerusalem. But he's talking to God for God's people as an intercessor. He's going to God on the behalf of these, his people. When he hears about the plight of his people, this affliction and reproach in Jerusalem, it so breaks his heart. He identifies with their suffering and then he identifies with their sins. Notice in the middle of six, the verse 6, he says, I confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Oh, he's not coming down on them with a, with a caustic, critical, self-righteous spirit. Compassionate people don't do that. Somebody that, that's got what God says makes a difference. I've observed this. You'll find them identifying with other people. You'll find them carrying the burden for other people. And here's Nehemiah, a layman if you please, but what a servant of God. One man made such a difference, I repeat, that the glory and the restoration of God came back to the people of God. But he's evidencing this quality that makes a difference. In the first place, he cared enough to inquire. And in the second place, he cared enough to identify. And then the third evidence, and oh, how how obvious this evidence is. 
if we have this which God says makes a difference, He cared enough to intercede. Verses six through ten. I think it's one of the I think it's one of the greatest intercessory prayers that we can learn from in the Bible. I mean, when we can learn how to go to God on the behalf of others. Here's Nehemiah, reaches back and gets the promises of God, gets the Word of God, and goes to God with His Word, and reminds God of what God has said. He said, remember, I beseech thee the word that you commanded your servant Moses. And he brought into focus. He said to God, you, you did, God. You told us if we get away from you, you'd scatter us and judge us. But then in verse number 9, he also reminds God, God had made a promise if they would return to Him and if they would obey His commandments and do them or keep them in obedience, God out of heaven would respond to them. I tell you, here's one man on the behalf of all the people of God and, and, and with boldness and, and, and yet with humility in his soul, knowing who he is, but going to God and saying to God, you said you'd judge us if we got away, and you have. But you said if we'd return. Oh, I tell you, this, this blesses me to see this one person reach back behind him and take the Scripture and go to God with it. God responds to him. I'm not going to say much on this point tonight. Before the week's up, the Lord will, will uh, he's already indicated to my own spirit. He wants me to preach one night on prayer. So I'll just simply say tonight, this is always an identifying mark if we have the compassion that makes a difference. And who it is tonight, God wants you to make a difference in their life. Maybe it's somebody that wears your name. Maybe it's a member of your immediate family. Maybe a relative. I wonder who it is. I made that very statement I preached that Thursday night on sowing in tears, reaping in joy, and showed that where God wants you and me to be able to take a burden for others and go to Him. And that dear man who brought his family Friday night just two nights ago, he said when you asked a couple different times who it is that God wants you to make a difference in their life this week, I'd use that text in connection with sowing in tears. And he said at the door, Brother Hurd, it's my wife for one, and it's my two teenage boys for two more. And I repeat and emphasize the very next night, and that man hadn't been in church for years himself, he told us, but he had them there and they sat on the back seat of that little building that seats about a hundred people. And God brought them forward. Wasn't Wilbur Hurt's sermon that brought them forward. It was that man's brokenness and his tears and his concern through the night before and the day before God used to bring those folks forward. I'm asking myself tonight, would you join me? Just as simple as it can be, but yet I tell you when I come to this text, God used it to grip my own heart. How long has it been since we cared enough to inquire Knock on somebody's door. Speak to that person you work beside of. Go down the street and talk to that neighbor. How long has it been since we gave out a gospel track? You see, I can stay, I can stay religious and I can stay real busy and never ever speak to a soul. If I lose, I can gauge whether or not I'm, I have this quality that makes a difference. I find that I'll begin to identify with people's lostness and I'll feel burdened for their emptiness and lostness. But if I lose that, I can stay religious and routine and even preach and never ever identify with people's burdens. I find if I have that quality that God says makes a difference, I'll begin to investigate and inquire, ask questions, and then begin to intercede. There's a fourth word. Not only do I see that Nehemiah cared enough to inquire, he cared enough to identify, 
He cared enough to intercede. What a, what a prayer warrior. How long did he pray? I tell you, this speaks deeply when you see it. Verse number one of chapter one, it brings into focus the month that these brethren came back. It correspond to our December. Chapter 2 and verse 1, he brings into focus here the month when God so broke him in the presence of that king. That king says, your very countenance tells me you've got a broken heart. You've got sorrow in your heart. That's our April. Four months this heavy burden was on him. And he says, days, day and night. Did you notice that? He said he fasted and he wept before God. Look at verse 4. He said, it came to pass when I heard these words, I sat down and wept mourned certain days, not minutes or hours, days, and mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Oh, what would happen in our churches across this land? Somehow we could let God grip our hearts again and, and share His heart with us and begin to see that it'll take this kind of business before God can move in a supernatural way and work through us to reach people. I close and illustrate it, the Lord helping me. You're easy to speak to. I've never spoken here without the sense of God's presence and the liberty of the Spirit of God. Very heart-searching, serious message tonight. And I've already said this, I speak to my needy heart. I'd never go before an audience of people and assume that I've arrived and therefore I've got a right to speak to you. God knows when I take a text like this, He knows I've said before I woke up here, Dear Lord, I'm speaking to my needy heart. I close with the last word tonight. He cared enough to inquire. He cared enough to identify. He cared enough to intercede. That last word, He brings this the last word I use, he brings it in focus in the latter part of verse number 9, or, or verse 11, I'm sorry, that last expression. Past tense, he's telling us this. He said, for I was the king's cupbearer. He cared enough to intervene. Involvement. See, some of us, we want to be content and just pray for someone else to get involved. I watched this when I was a pastor. When people really begin to get compassion, they wouldn't say, Lord, send some workers out there. They'd be part of that force. They wouldn't say, Lord, would you send some folks to... We, we, had, we tried to have intercessory prayer ministry at least twice a week that certain times we wouldn't have preacher or anything. We'd just meet and come for prayer. And I'd notice people that God would get a hold of in those meetings. Oh, they wouldn't be content, I repeat, to pray, Lord, put somebody on those bus ministries. My brother who was ahead of that bus ministry, younger brother, he'd say to me something like this. I noticed him last week getting broken over in the prayer meeting. said they was calling with us today. You see, a mark of compassion not only was to inquire, to identify, feel what they felt, intercede, go to God on their behalf, but it was to get involved. Why, well, here's a fellow, he had a very strategic position. Nehemiah's not just a nobody, Nehemiah's an official there. But Nehemiah left that position. Then he rolled his sleeves up, he got involved. He didn't just pray, God, you send my brother Nehemiah and some of my brethren back. He didn't even tell those that was with him what was on his heart till he got back to Jerusalem. Went out and surveyed all that chaotic condition there. And then he said, I want to tell you what the good hand of my God, expression for the power of God, what the good hand of my God's put upon me. Prayed already, Lord, would use that expression of the good hand of God, the touch of God, the power of God. I've asked Him this week to zero in on some of us and do something in days to come. Oh, there'll be something lasting happen for God's glory. Let me illustrate this if I can. 
without going much detail, someone asked me, I was speaking on revival, that those of you that know me, that's basically my ministry. My burden is to speak on the subject of revival. And uh, they asked some questions in the meeting. It was the same meeting I referred to earlier. One of them said, Brother Hurt, where in the last, I believe he said, the last eight or ten years, would you say, was the most obvious move of God uh, that you would call a genuine real revival? He said, would you comment on it? And I thought for a moment and I told him about a meeting that I was privileged to preach in, a three-day meeting. And uh, lest you think that I feel like I took the revival, I tell you, they, they were in revival when I got there. I told that preacher I've been privileged to reap this week where I'd not sown. I've been privileged to enter into some blessings where someone else has has has, has been broken and, and paid a price. We and he asked me, he I'd never been to the place he was in there, but I'd preached for him in, in a couple other states and through the years. And, and he said, Brother Hurt, I want you to speak on revival, speak on the work of the Holy Spirit in revival one night if God will let you. And bring that message I heard you preach on prayer one night. He said, if God will let you. I want you to talk to our people each night, three nights on revival. And the first night, I gave an illustration in closing the message. I, without me going into detail, I told about a preacher. Took a picture of his father out of his wallet and said, as far as I know, this is the only picture of my father and he won't earth and he said, if you've uh, followed my ministry in length of time, you know that my dad died a, a drunkard and went to hell. He told how he looked at that picture on a Saturday night and prayed something like this, Lord, if that one I call my dad could ring that phone and say, they're going to let me out of hell and hear you preach tomorrow. And he said, he, if he could say to me, if I can trust the Savior and get saved, I won't have to go back to hell. But he said, don't you know if that could happen? I'd... I'd give it my best so God could use me so my dad could get saved. But he said, then I'm reminded that my dad will never call anyone's phone. My dad will never hear anyone preach. My dad will be in hell forever. And then he said, that serves as an incentive for me to be broken and try to be my best to win someone else's dad and somebody else's mother, somebody else's family. I mentioned that. I mentioned where he told that in a meeting. And I also mentioned where there was a deacon in that meeting that I know about. He said to the, his wife something like this on the way home. said, while the preacher was preaching, God told me to call my dad. But he said, when he gave that illustration, God said, no, don't you call your dad. You go see your dad. And this was Saturday night. His dad lives three states away. He got on a plane that night. Flew to a city near where his dad lived, rented a car and went out in the country, and between 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, knocked on the door of his father. Woke him up. Unannounced. Dad, of course, surprised and shocked to see his son stand there on the step, and he said to him, Dad, he said, God spoke to me in a definite way in church tonight. I'm a deacon. I want other people to Christ. I, God has used me to lead others, but said, when I first spoke to you as a Christian a few years ago, uh, you, you rejected me and intimidated me, and, and I've never spoken to you since then. And I'm ashamed, and God told me, come to apologize to you. And he stand there weeping. Less time it takes me to tell the story. As he told the story, he said, my dad was so moved with the touch of God. My mother, who had met and greeted me there also, Mom was a backslider, saved, but out of touch with God, and said, Mom got down beside the couch and rededicated her life, and his dad got grossly saved. 
He took that that car back, got on a plane and went back to his home and got back in time for church that day and worked in junior church and got home that noon to find his sister waiting on him to tell him that their father dropped dead with a heart attack later that morning. Getting ready to go to a church service and walk the aisle and present himself that morning and, and, and publicly profess his faith in Christ and drop dead with a heart attack. I told that in this meeting I referred to a lady playing the instrument to my left. She, she came and started to play and she got up and dropped down here on her knees. After the service, she said, my daddy's 81 years old. She said, I've never one time can ever recall weeping over my father. And she said, when you told that about that, about that fellow's dad getting saved and then dying, she said, God seemed to say to my heart, you, you, you don't weep over your dad. You've never had a burden for your dad. And she stood there weeping and said something like this, Brother Hurt, would you, would you pray with me for my dad this week? That was Sunday night. I was there only there three nights, Sunday night, Monday night, and Tuesday night. She didn't play that instrument on Monday night. I'd preached again uh, to us as believers about uh, a burden and tears and so on. She just came and knelt here Monday night. She said something like this to me. She said, Brother Hurt, I've checked with the pastor. He told me he'd go with you. He said, would it be asking too much? to ask you to go see my dad with the preacher tomorrow. And I said, I'll be glad to go. We drove up out there and she'd already told me, said, Dad, it'll be rude. Dad's a wealthy man, very independent man. Dad's a hard man. Dad's 81. Dad's not well. He said, I, I doubt if Dad will receive you. He said, especially if, if you insist on being personal and talking to him about the Lord. I know that he, Dad will probably be rude. He has to everybody that's going out there. We pulled up out there. He's a farmer, big time farmer. Pulled up out there. Very big, beautiful house. He met us at the door. Preacher had already said to me, Preacher said, now he, he won't be receptive. He said, unless God really zeroes in on him, he, he, he won't even let us talk to him. He's that kind of fellow. Walked up there and he wouldn't even let us in. He met us at the door. And, and he said something like this. He said, I, I'm busy. I'm sorry. Preacher said, I want you to meet Brother Hurt. This is his last night. And he said, well, I'm sorry. I, 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 he invited him to come. No, I couldn't come. And he's going out back here to talk to someone, some of the workers. I saw a picture right behind where the door is open on the wall. I'd been told that the, the daughter was their only child. I said, that's a picture of your daughter there. And he said, yes, sir. And I said, you know, I wouldn't offend you for the world. I, I don't operate that way to embarrass people, so uh, that's not my intent. But, you know, I said, I, I related to something two nights ago that she did. I saw her unashamedly, publicly kneel at an altar with brokenness and tears, weeping over your soul, sir. I said... You see, I identified with that. I got saved as a 25-year-old man. I don't brag about this, but never been to Sunday school in my life. Didn't know what you did at Sunday school. Nothing like that. And I drove 300 miles and woke my dad up at 4 o'clock in the morning and got down beside his bed and wept over my dad. Just been saved a week. I said, I identified with what she did. I had a burden for my father to see him saved and not go to hell. Now, I, I fully expected that fellow because... I, I could sense he was not appreciating what I was saying to him. I fully expected him just to tell me, knock it off, hey, and just tell us, you know, it's over with. Would you believe me if I told you that man burst in tears? Embarrassed at first, and he'd look away and wipe his eyes like this, and he said to the preacher who called him by his name, and said, you're not going to believe this, not coming from me. He said, as you know, I go to bed about dark. He said, I go to bed with the chickens every evening. He said, I went to bed Sunday night and couldn't go to sleep. And he said, uh, never in my life can I recall ever having a fear of dying and going to hell. And said, an awful fear came over me. And said, now for two days, that's all I can think about. He said, he looked at his watch and he told the preacher, he said, it was 8.30. 
Sunday night. You know what happened at about 8.25 Sunday evening? She got up from that piano stool and dropped on her knees. And she told me for the first time in her life, she had recall weeping over her father's soul. And God at the same time reached in there and took that hard, self-sufficient, wealthy man and shook him up and said, listen, you're going to go to hell if you die like this. I can say this without being boastful. I believe he is about an easy person. God ever let me lead to faith in Christ. I started taking down what some call the Roman road. God seemed to say, open the door. He don't need a road, amen. He's already at the door. Just let him in. I said to him, I, I said, now let me show you this. Do you he said, I don't know much about the Bible, but I believe everything in there. He said. Oh, he got saved just like that. God hears this. I speak the truth. I lie not. They lined up 12 adults, and I'd preach to Christians every night. They had 12 adults saved most three days. That lady didn't play that instrument the, the next night either. She stood there with her aged father. And he gave a word of testimony. They couldn't believe it in that church. One preacher who'd been over there said something like this to me. Brother Hurt, what in the world? What kind of his way put it? He said, what kind of reasoning and logic did you use to get that old man on his knees? And I said, it wasn't reasoning, it wasn't logic, it wasn't argument. It was his daughter's tears. I didn't even sit to say a word. He just burst in tears. You see, compassion makes a difference. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. All over the room, all over the room, God's people, all over the room, God's people's in prayer. I've just come with my heart tonight. I really have. Preach what God had placed on my own heart. Oh, that God would shed abroad His love in our hearts for the Holy Spirit that indwells us. Compassion, making a difference. Now in this building tonight, there's something about when God speak to, speaks to us, there's something about responding and coming forward. It just sort of makes the commitment more real. I don't understand all that's involved in coming forward, but there's something about while God is speaking, when God is speaking, if we respond unashamedly, openly, sincerely, honestly, God just sort of seals that commitment, drives it down. When we mean business with God, God means business with us. Now I've come tonight with a message from my own heart. I trust tonight God has spoken to our hearts. You want to respond tonight in talking to Him in the closing part, the pastor's gear. My part will be over after a, a prayer and a verse of song. I've talked to us as believers tonight. That's what revival is. Uh, permitting God to do a work in our own hearts. Tonight in this room, if God has said something, and if that's a heart cry and a desire in your soul for God to, God to work in your heart and then through you to reach others, Maybe someone you're thinking about. You already God's laid on your heart that you want to see God make a difference in their life. I invite you tonight, just somewhere around the front. Here's plenty of room. Just come talk to Him. You're here tonight without Him. I mean, you may be a visitor. You're so welcome. If you're here tonight, and if you died tonight, you're not sure that you'd go to heaven. There's folk here that'll help you. Oh, get it settled tonight. Don't leave without it. You may be here like that fellow I talked about Thursday night and out of tune, out of touch with God. And you couldn't make a difference till you get back in touch with God. Oh, he came with brokenness and tears and repentance and stood up and gave a word and he didn't even know those people. 
But he stood up, and I tell you, he he just he just exposed his heart after he got broken, and asked that little group of ch- uh, folk in that mission church to pray for him. He said, "I've been cold and critical and down, but I got right with God tonight. God honors that. God's so honored he got his family saved the next night." All over this room, there are folks coming now talking to him. On the first night of this series of meeting, be a good time to just say, Lord, I've heard from you. I'm going to respond. I'm going to get in. Our Father, would you seal these truths to our hearts? I pray in the closing moments of this service, the Spirit of God now, would just make it easy for us to do what you're telling us to do. Someone away from you, bring them back. Someone here maybe that's without thee, on the outside, never been saved. Show them their lostness tonight. Show them how wonderful it is to know you. And Lord, give them faith to trust you. Bring them to Christ. I pray tonight you'll help each of us that you've spoken to, to respond. Help us not to miss you tonight. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us, please, all over the building. Have I known God may let you reach your love. Come on. God speaking, you'll be the loser unless you say yes. Come on. I've done what he told me to tonight. Would you just slip out and say yes to him? Come on. You may be a you may be a guest tonight, but you're so welcome. God bless you tonight. While we wait, I admire people. Just say yes to God. Come on, while we wait. Just slip out and come. Oh, I tell you this, somebody, God wants you to make a difference in their life. I heard a great man on prophecy speak the other night. I tell you how he stirred my soul. What insight he's got. Many of God's prophetic teachers believe it's, it's in its windup. It's about over. God's getting the attention, focusing it on where it's all going to end up. Do you have loved ones tonight that'd be lost if all of a sudden this is it? Have you ever wept over them? I ask myself that tonight. How long has it been since we since we wept with brokenness? How long has it been since we had enough of burden to fast even and maybe take a day before God and wait before God for someone's precious soul? I tell you, it works. It really works. While we wait, folks are still coming. Just slip right out. While we wait, I'm going to ask the pastor to come here and he'll close us with prayer or he'll have someone. You just come and join us. I'm going to kneel here. God knows I mean this. I want to kneel here and ask God to give me the kind of heart this week that he can work in and through and give us what he wants us to have this week. While we wait, come on, the pastor's here. You still can do business with God.